so the intelligences are this bit of self-determining, self-anticipatory bit of something that has, <laughs> that already has a free will. You are currently focused in a time-space reality. Can already choose for itself and it has to have been able to do so in order to combine with an element and become the spirit body we were in the pre-Earth life with God. All truth is independent in that sphere in which God has placed it, to act for itself as all intelligence also. Otherwise, there is no existence. We are the vibrational essence of all that has been lived, both physically and non-physically. Now the Lord had shown unto me, Abraham, the intelligences that were organized before the world was. And among all these, there were many of the noble and great ones. We are an energy that is expanding consciously and constantly because of the willingness of physical experience and its contribution to the never-ending want or desire. Intelligence, or the light of truth, was not created or made, neither indeed can be. Ye were also in the beginning with the Father, that which is spirit, the even the spirit of truth. Of and truth is knowledge of things of as they are, and as they were, and, we are the and pure as they are essence of that expanded version. Again, to the Mormonism thing, I think it, she's more tipping Joseph Smith hat that he put the seer stone in. Um, <laughs> Welcome back to Infants on Thrones. I'm Glenn Ostland, and this is episode 612, Mormon Intelligences and Abraham Hicks. And did you know that once upon a time, before there was anything, there were intelligences? It's true. First, there were intelligences, and then spirits, and then physical bodies. I don't know, Joseph Smith said so, and our new buddy Christopher is going to tell us more about it today. So listen in, and if you are interested in talking with me like Christopher did, shoot me an email like Christopher did. And if you're interested in taking the short, brief belief survey that we talk about in today's episode, head over to the website, infantsonthrones.com, and go to the survey tab at the top of the screen and take the survey. I'd love to get a better sense of what listeners like you think about the world that we're all living in. And it's a really interesting survey. And you're going to hear me talk about it a little bit more right now. When I would teach units on belief, I would give them a questionnaire that would ask them things like, do you believe in God? Do you believe in the devil? Do you believe in angels? Do you believe in uh, like the afterlife, uh, heaven, hell? You know, all these kinds of things that from, yeah. from my Mormon mind at the time were all related. You know, like if you believe in God, then of course you believe in a devil. And of course you yeah. believe in angels. And of course you believe in heaven. Of course you believe, you know, and things like that. But, but when I would look at... Yeah. The, the collective answers of a class of about 25 or 30 students, the answers were all over the board, you know? So like the number of people that believed in God was not equal to the number of people that believed in the devil or that believed in oh. a heaven or believed in a, you know, it, and it was so, so as I've, as I created this questionnaire, um, I, I have the same kinds of things. So like I look down at, at answers that you have, um, like, how, how do you feel about this idea that thoughts create reality? And you say, I strongly yeah. disagree. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and then the next one, which is I trust my instincts, which is I mostly agree. And to me, like those questions are kind of connected because like 
if your instincts are kind of your thoughts too, I don't know, maybe some people have a different thought, but you know, do they create your reality? I don't know. But, but, but so when I see the way that different people answer the questions in here and the way that it re, uh, corresponds with others, I just find it really interesting. It always leads to good conversations and stuff too. So. Yeah, that is really interesting. I thought a lot of those questions were, were interesting. And I, uh, the very first like multiple choice one, I really uh, appreciated your word choice for ambivalence. Oh yeah, <laughs> uh, so I thought I thought that was an interesting uh, use of the of the lexicon. What did you What did you like to, about that? Um, I might have to look up the the definition again. I think it just lent more to um, people being more open to changing their mind instead of just like uh, like neutral. Just kind of seems like I haven't thought about it or don't really plan on thinking it yeah. about it. Whereas ambivalence kind of seems more like, well, I'm just not sure, but I'm open. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, so what I wrote down was, I'm not sure I could go either way. And then yeah. like I gave, I, I, I tried to quantify each one of these two and I'm like zero to 25% probability. <laughs> you know? yeah. So like, so like, where do you closely, most closely identify? Um, yeah. Cool. Well, so Christopher, it's nice to meet you. And I want to read this email that you sent me on January 10th. And then we can talk about it a little bit and give a little bit okay. of your introduction. So you said, good afternoon. I'm new to the podcast, literally as of today. I left the Mormon church 13 months ago at the age of 29 and have since been slowly working on a short book of different church topics, such as the November 2015 policy for the strength of youth, the doctrines and principles of intelligences, etc. During some of my research for the intelligence chapter, I came across your Abraham Hicks episode. I'd never heard of Abraham Hicks, even though the topic of intelligences and element, etc., was something that occupied a lot of my mind growing up in the church. I found the episode very interesting. I'm wondering if you have any other interest uh, episodes on this topic I could listen to. I tried to search, I couldn't find it. Anyway, thank you. Uh, Christopher, P.S. I agreed with Tom on much of this episode. <laughs> awesome. Tom would love to hear that, as, as do I. So, um, cool. Well, welcome to the, the podcast. I mean, I, I, I don't think that in the seven and a half year history of Infants on Thrones, we've ever had somebody that says, hey, I'm new to the podcast. And then a few weeks later, you're on. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so you were in my podcast queue already, mm. uh, but I but I hadn't gotten around to, to starting. Um, mm. And then I literally, I just typed in, uh, I think in a Google search, uh, Abraham Intelligences and, mm. you know, saw what came up. Oh, and I wow. think it was just specifically Abraham because the portion of the, the chapter that I was struggling with was how to uh, discuss how Abraham came to be, you know, not only the founding, I guess you'd say founding father of like the everlasting covenant, but also mm -hmm. the doctrine of like creation and intelligences and where we come from uh, even before our, our pre-earth life with God. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think it was just Abraham and intelligences that put you literally, I think it was the very first option in the Google search with that. Interesting. Um, huh. Yeah. We, we've cornered the market on Abraham and intelligences. That's good to know for our <laughs> SEO. <laughs> there was probably something on, on, on Mormonism in the search there too that, that helped, but yeah. yeah. Cool. So, so um, you left the church 13 months ago. That's pretty, that's pretty recent. What was the experience yeah. like for you? Um, well, I was inactive for maybe two and a half, three years. Mm -hmm. um, though I'd still... Uh, go to a meeting here and I, I kind of feel like I became like a, a 
the Mormon version of like a Catholic churchgoer, like mm. Christmas and Easter kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. I'd go like for baby blessings and uh, a baptism kind of thing for like family members. Yeah. Um, and then I don't know. A lot was just going on in in my personal life, and uh, I just started to read more. And it, it was a slow evolution, but I think once I kind of got to where I needed to be, it just honestly happened overnight. Yeah. For me. Once I so, once I saw it. So what's your what what's your quick uh, elevator speech um, take on what Mormonism is and like God and Joseph Smith and the Book of Mormon and all these wonderful things that you're writing books on? <laughs> Well, I don't get too much into uh, the history um, and Joseph Smith, though I do talk a lot about how uh, how to view it more from an authorship perspective for, mm-hmm. for Joseph Smith, more like uh, it's pseudepigraphal. Mm-hmm. So he's just speaking as a character yeah. that he's come up with. Uh, we see it online a lot with, uh, and I've started to see it with like progressive Mormons in a way, mm-hmm. or progmos as they'd say, like on Twitter, they have... Uh, different identities and they're they're not necessarily you know writing writing a new uh canon uh but there are little things on there where they're just writing as this different character and it's church related things um and others still come to accept it i I don't know if that kind of makes sense so i don't really necessarily talk about the history of it so much as uh the perception of how it was written yeah so i guess what i'm trying to get to here christopher is is um I know because you filled out that survey, but just so that our yeah. listeners know, what do you, what do you feel about the supernatural aspects of religion, and what do you think about religion in general? Um, so, I have a hard time a bit with the supernatural aspects, um, and I th- that really just comes down to, um, I think, a limit we have in our language, and I, mm. I think Tom kind of spoke to some of this a little bit. Um, and I think a lot of it goes in line with, you know, what's supernatural versus, uh, like some theologians would say, uh, like the numinous or mm-hmm. some people even use the word spiritual, those kind of things. I don't know. I have a hard time with, <laughs> um, because I don't, I don't necessarily, necessarily believe there's a super supernatural. I just think there's things that are natural that we've yet to explain. Yeah. Um, I like that. Yeah. Yeah, which which is really, I mean, if you think about what the word super means, it means above or more than, or you know, like yeah, something that's outside of the realm of the natural is something that's supernatural. Yeah, I think the language of it is kind of. I have I have a hard time sometimes just because I I don't think we have necessarily the right word for it yet. Um, and there's a lot, like, I, I read an article recently about Sam Harris talking about the word spiritual mm. and how uh, other other people, in, you know, on his side of the fence, like Christopher Hitchens and Dan Dennett, uh, even Noam Chomsky, they, they talk about the word spiritual in a way of, like, appreciating things for their beauty and not where they're derived from, mm-hmm. uh, necessarily. Uh, so, like, we can appreciate the, you know, like, the pyramids of Giza, but we don't have to follow the religion that may have built those buildings kind of right 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 okay like we so so maybe that maybe it's kind of bring it back to mormonism like we can appreciate temples and you know music and the spoken word and and the books for the stories they tell um but we don't have to apply those stories to our our the choices we make in our daily lives okay 
All right. I, you know, what, what, I, what I would like to So what we're going to do today is, is we're going to watch a five-minute Abraham Hicks video. And I sent you the link. And, and it's, it's one where she kind of, uh, uh, somebody in the audience comes up and says, I've got a friend that wants to know what realm you're from. <laughs> you <Yeah. know? laughs> and then it, it's kind of an interesting answer. And then I think really thoughtful when she says, here's what you can tell them about who we are we the abraham this this you know intelligence that's being channeled through esther hicks if, if you go for that a dear friend of mine asked if i could ask you this question and that is what realm do you come from and he's listed a few of them here none that he would know <laughs> Should I or be satisfied with <clears throat> he's had astral archangel angel spirits of form whatever movement, he considers wisdom. to be the best one <laughs> He does have supreme being here. <laughs> we'll take that one. <laughs> I thought you might. <laughs> it's fair for him to ask those questions because what he's wanting to do is put us in the context of what he understands. Yeah. And man has been doing that with that which is non-physical from the beginning of your physicalness. In other words, you cannot see other than through the eyes that you have, through the perspective that you have. So you have to find some way of making sense of it. That's what Esther is doing all day, every day, as she allows us to flow through. We're not whispering words that she's repeating. We're offering our knowing which she is receiving vibrationally and then she's looking for the physical word equivalent and so there are many physical beings that want us to describe where we come from because you are currently focused in a time-space reality but that implies that we also from our non-physical perspective are focused in a time-space reality and we are not we are in a timeless spaceless reality and so we could conjure something, we could make something up for the purpose of making him feel better, but there is no point in it because it causes the continuation of the distortion of trying to get energy to be from some place, you see. Yeah. It is only human that tries to put the hierarchy on things. So, hmm, tell your friend that Abraham explained who they are in this way. We are the vibrational essence that equals the culmination of all that has been lived both physically and non-physically. We are an energy that is expanding consciously and constantly because of the willingness of physical experience and its contribution to the never-ending want or desire. We are the expanded version of who each of you are and we are the pure essence of that expanded version. We hold not any of the concerns that you hold but we have benefited from the concerns that you have lived. We are not stumped by your questions, but we ride on the stream of your answers. We are not bothered by your problems because your problems have inspired the expansion or solution. We are as broad or as deep as the question that you ask because law of attraction will not match you up with the part of us that is different than the part of you. Mm -hmm. We can only be as wise 
as your wisdom as loving as your love and as smart as your brilliance we cannot be more than you allow us to be so when you find something in us that you deem worthy or wonderful or beneficial you must understand that it is a pure reflection of who you are because you could not get it from us if you were not it also we have enjoyed this interaction immensely so we're going to watch that we're going to comment on it before we get to it though just just so that I'm more familiar and our listeners are more familiar where you're coming from and, and what your interest is in intelligence is in the first place that you're putting in this book. Yeah. Um, a lot of it, so a lot of it really came, it's a difficult topic to discuss because yeah. there's so many uh, different facets of it and honestly different interpretations, like from intelligences, when we get our first indication of it, which I think was, I think the first time the word was used was 1832. Mm. Uh, but like the doctrine of it and the structure of an intelligence was first referenced in 1829. Mm. Um, and so I guess the place I'm coming from is uh, the way a lot of it is taught and how it's connected to the plan of salvation and eternal families and stuff, I think can be uh, very damaging and, and lead people to not uh, love and appreciate not just the world around them, but, uh, the way they treat other people and even the ones in their own home, those who they Interesting. Love the most. So how, how do you define intelligences? Um, like is, and is there consistency in the way that you've seen it represented in 1829 or 1832, or even like the, the King Follett discourse is my favorite source for yes. talking about intelligences. And that was 1844, right? It was 18, April, yeah. 1844. So, so um, how, how do you understand intelligences and and is there consistency or do you see like a change in the way that it was used over the years there was a change there was a time i went through uh like the entire entire journal of discourses mm -hmm. um and a lot of the church history and read uh, probably two thousand references to intelligence Jeez. um and a lot of it uh, past Joseph Smith really was speculation. Mm. Um, like you see a lot of the, the brethren contradicting each other, you sure. know, across decades or even just saying, you know, we're not certain, but uh, you know, it was said that they were co-equal with God, but maybe they just coexist with God. We, we, they they do. So, so what are the intelligences? Yeah. The, so the intelligences are um, this bit of self-determining self uh, anticipatory bit of something uh that has <laughs> that already has a free will if, if you read the early descriptions um in the dnc i think it's like 88 and then uh you jump up to 93 uh they talk about um yeah how it, how it can already choose for itself and it has to uh have been able to do so in order to combine with an element and become the spirit body we were in the pre-earth life with god yeah so that's there's like one a, way of interpreting it, one of the main ways. That where, where there's like intelligences that exist first, then it becomes a spirit body, and then it becomes like a mortal body, and then can Correct. become an immortal body of glory after like the resurrection and all of that stuff, right? But it all starts with this little kernel, like a little seed is, yeah. is the intelligence of, of eternal progression. Intelligence is the seed. Is that exactly. how you think of it? Yeah, like, and, and the part of it is that uh, 
the scripture in DNC 93, 29 or 30, I think it says, uh, it, intelligence was never created uh, mm. and never could it have been. So it's just always been there. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. And, and is, is it described? I, and I think this, I, and I'm going by memory on this. So you're going to have to help me out here, Christopher, that light and truth. Like I remember there's a scripture in the DNC that like something equals light and truth. Is it intelligence that equals light and truth? Is that what that is? Yeah. Or is so it spirit uh, equals light and truth. So intelligence and another reason that the, the topic and the doctrine uh, around it can be difficult is because there are so many things that are synonymous with it. Yeah. Like the plan of salvation alone in the book of Mormon has like 11 different names for just the plan of salvation. Yeah. Um, intelligence is similar. Like it's the, uh, the light of truth, the light of Christ, uh, just light in general, um, the power of the spirit, yeah. uh, things like that. So, so if we go back to our like natural versus supernatural discussion, do do you see any correlations between like something <laughs> that might actually exist out there and these nebulous ideas on intelligence? Yeah, um, because I'm I'm not I wouldn't say I'm against the notion that there may have been something out there off you know in the universe that we don't understand that's always been there maybe that's within our our universe uh since the big bang maybe that's whatever might be outside the suitcase you know we exploded from um if that yeah. makes any sense the singularity uh, yeah, before the big thing. big bang thing yeah yeah like where um i'm sorry i kind of lost my train of thought <laughs> what was the question yeah if if you see any kind of correlation oh, between this idea of intelligence and anything that that might actually exist yeah, so like I'm not against the notion um, so much uh, because I think a lot of it also deals uh, in the realm of, of consciousness and, mm -hmm. and thinking and free will and where does that come from as well. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I'm not against, you know, obviously that kind of contemplation, but uh, I think putting names and assertions to it uh, can be dangerous. Dangerous. Ooh. <laughs> What's the danger? Not, well, I think this is something that uh, Tom was kind of uh, on board with. Whereas, like, from from the few <laughs> Abraham Hicks videos I've watched, uh -huh. it just seems sinister. Uh, I'd say to to claim that a that there's other realms that we can connect to, just mm. you know, uh, you know, as she does on the spot, just with Abraham, and mm. that he's in a different realm. And maybe they, jumping ahead to the they, video. They. Okay, they. Yeah, they. It's plural, yeah, not singular. That's another issue that Tom have, has too. Yeah, and that's, <laughs> and that's probably just new for me because I'm so new to her. But I did, sure. I did recognize at the end of it, and again, I'm jumping ahead to the video, but she does sure. say, we have enjoyed this interaction. Yeah, yeah, immensely, yeah, yeah. Which I thought was interesting. Yeah, no, she always refers to it. It's kind of like the George Costanza thing. Yeah, but it's plural. George likes spicy chicken. Yeah, 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 yeah. We like spicy chicken. Um, <laughs> so, so... So you have this this um, curiosity and in intelligence is it something that you focused on a lot um, even before you left the church that that was really important to you yeah um, and so when you heard this episode, there was something in the Abraham Hicks that kind of made a connection to your Mormon formed sense of whatever this idea is. Mm -hmm. Could you talk about that a little bit where, where did you see parallels or or, or uh, where were you curious to explore more? I think I was honestly just 
taken aback pretty quickly. Yeah. Uh, that a like like we mentioned earlier, I had I had never heard of Abraham Hicks, and it appears yeah. what she's she they've been around since the late eighties, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and but I didn't form, I didn't know about her until maybe I don't know May or April this year. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, I I just recently found out about her, and I, I find it fascinating. But yeah. Yeah, so I guess I, I guess the reason I found it fascinating is because when I, I looked her up quickly, I, I think she was from Utah, you know, yeah. originally. Yeah. And so I thought maybe there's some uh, Mormon background there. I don't think mm. it's ever explicitly said, at least in what I've seen, that that she does have that background. But she it's doesn't. such it's such a specific topic, yeah. and it, it comes the only place that I know of that it's found. And I've even tried to you know read some apoc- uh, similar apocrypha to find it, but the only place intelligence really comes from in this manner is the Pearl of Great Price and mm. the Doctrine and Covenants. Yeah. So I, I just found that fascinating that it was being still discussed uh, outside of the Mormon church in a mm. kind of a completely different form because she doesn't even, uh, I don't recall, mention God specifically. It's yeah she she does another i mean because she's been doing these seminars for so long and there there's so many um recordings on youtube um you can look things up by topic and find them and so she does talk about god she talks about things like this but, okay you know so when when i first started uh listening to mormon podcasts it was a long long time ago when there there was uh mormon expression which is one of the first ones that i started listening to did an episode with an author called Mitch Horowitz, who wrote a book called Occult America. And I, loved, I thought that was the coolest interview. And he only had a very small section in his book that was dedicated to Joseph Smith and to the early Mormon church. He was much more interested in the larger tradition of occultism. And, and embedded in that tradition of occultism is channeled writing, um, you know, the, the psychics, the mediums that are channeling some kind of intelligence from beyond wherever it is. And so he, Mitch Horowitz, I think that's his name, um, used Joseph Smith as one example of many kind of American mystics. Edgar Casey, I remember was one, Madame Bravatsky or something like that was another. I mean, there, there were several, it was really, really interesting stuff. And so um, Esther Hicks comes more from that tradition than any kind of Mormon influence. You know, she she did grow up in Layton, Utah, and I, okay. I did come across one, um, I, th- I think maybe there's two that I've heard where people mention Mormonism or Utah, and she gives reference to her growing up, her dad not being, or she, she, she talks about being in a town that was a predominant religion. She doesn't name which one it was. And she saw the hypocrisy of these people, especially because they looked down on her and her her family and her father was like the most uh, honest person that she knew. And these other people would, would act one way on Sundays and another way on other days and stuff. And okay. she would go to the dances. You mentioned dances and stuff. <laughs> Esther is commenting often that she was not a religious girl, but she lived in a religious town. But it never made sense to her. In light of what she was feeling, she lived in a town that believed that anyone that was not a member of that church was evil. And yet her father, who was not a member of that church, she could not accept as evil. In fact, Mm -hmm. he was the most kind, most moral man 
as far as Esther could see, in the entire town. It was a town that was based more upon hypocrisy than anything else. She would hear what they said from the pulpit, but she would watch what they did in their day-to-day -day lives. And it invalidated who they were and what they believed for Esther. And so she went to the dances and had fun in the way that she had fun, but she never bought the religion because it never felt valid. It always felt bogus. Mm -hmm. And we say she chose very well the town into which she was born, didn't she? Mm -hmm. Because her own life experience gave her the gut feeling about all of that, you see. But, but uh, yeah, so she, she left sometime maybe maybe after she graduated high school or something. And uh, she was working for, I think it was Amway, and she met this guy, Jerry. And I think she was like his assistant for a while. They were both married, or maybe Jerry was married, and then he divorced, and then the two of them got together. And the, the thing that they were really interested in was um, this book called Seth Speaks, which was, is channeled writing by uh, an author named Jane Roberts. And that was like the late 60s, early 70s. And they actually met Jane Roberts at one point, if I remember right. And then when, when Esther Hicks started meditating, she started like quieting her mind and then feeling like there was some intelligence that she was communicating with. Not, not like it's whispering words to her or anything, but just like thought forms or something that yeah. she's having this internal dialogue. And it, and it grew from that into what it is now. So that's, that's the best. So, okay. so that was a long way of saying that she's, she's more influenced by a new age occult tradition in America than Mormonism specifically. That, that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. I see that. Yeah. Cool. Well, and, and uh, before we get into to, to the recording itself, I think it's, I want to look at this survey that, that you filled out. And there, there were five different options that you could answer. You could say, you strongly agree, you mostly agree, you're ambivalent, you slightly disagree, or you strongly disagree. And the first question I asked is that meditation is a healthy practice, and you said you strongly agree. Do you want to yeah. comment on that at all? Uh, yeah, so um, I had never practiced any real form of meditation yeah. uh, in my life until last year. Aside from like deep contemplation in the quiet of the celestial room, yeah you know um that was like as close as it got but i never had like a formal like understanding of different methods a yeah. um and i've i've solely done a very specific one which is a, a vipassana technique mm -hmm. uh, that sam harris uh, puts yeah. forth in his uh, waking up uh, yeah. application right um but I, I the reason i got into it uh honestly i don't can i talk about illegal substances on the podcast sure <laughs> um i i had an experience with uh with lsd yeah um and after that uh it, it unlocked a lot of things for me i don't know if i necessarily want to get into that but it, it intrigued it, it sparked a new interest in in thought yeah. and and honestly the universe and more specifically, like the world around me, like yeah. when you're on those kind of substances, I don't know if you have experience, but you, you view the world a different way and not yeah. like societal, you know, society in a 
you know what I'm saying, but yeah. like as a society as a whole or, or economically or anything like that, uh, literally the physical world around you, you begin to perceive differently. Hmm. Um, and when I started doing some research after that, I, I just came across uh, meditation amidst the searches. And I knew Sam Harris did meditation. I had read one of his books. I had listened to his Making Sense podcast before. Yeah. And so I checked it out. And um, I think between... Uh, June of last year and November, when I kind of stopped meditating as much, I averaged uh, about a half an hour a day. Nice. Yeah. Um, sometimes, some days, if I had the time, I'd do like an hour, hour and a half meditation. Yeah. Um, and it did. It does really uh, help, at least for me. It did help yeah. uh, help me sort my thoughts. Which, when you're doing something like leaving the church. Uh, yeah. there, there's just so much going through your head. You know, I yeah. have 29 years of a lot of binary thinking yeah. um, that is still hard to get past. Sure. Um, and just, like I said, perceiving the world, even the physical world around you differently. Um, yeah. It just makes a lot go through your head and meditation can really help sort that out yeah. and, and relax you. And, yeah. and help you in, with your interactions with other people. You know, after you meditate, um, if if you if you're relaxed and you get something great out of it, you're kinder to people after. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's likely. interesting. Yeah, I, you know the 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 thing meditation again. That's something that I didn't really start doing until uh, spring of last year as well, probably like March hmm. or April. And um, yeah, I've had a similar experience with it to to the point where. I remember I was going to the gym once and I was getting on the elliptical and I'd forgotten my headphones. I'm like, Oh shit, I don't have any music to listen to. I'm like, well, okay, I'll just meditate. And so like for 30 minutes, I just really kind of like emptied my mind and just, and it was really cool to not have to have all that noise and chaos and stuff. So I, I, I can, I can do it in the car now when I'm driving, you know, like, yeah. like, like I'm hyper-focused on the road and things like that. It's just that I'm, I don't have all of that um, inner chatter that, that, um, I used to have. So, okay. Well, I, I don't want to spend this much time for each one of these questions, but it's really interesting to get to know yeah. you better and, and, and your view on things. So the second question was spirituality is a healthy way of looking at the world. And that one you were ambivalent on. Yeah. I, I think that just goes back to our earlier portion of the conversation is where, uh, the use of the word spiritual, I kind of feel like, uh, we just don't have the word for what we really mean. Um, for that kind of part of our life now, uh, like etymologically, spirit goes back to like the breath of life for the Greeks, mm -hmm. yeah. but it got it got all mixed up in this uh, religious connotation over the last couple thousand years. I mean, and it's lost that original meaning. And I don't really have the confidence that uh, as a society we can get past the the definition of that word that's been around for so long mm. some people think we can um and and we'll still use it uh you know certain like atheists still will but i i think we might need a new word now when you're saying we might need a you are you doing the abraham hicks thing and the george costanza <laughs> referring to yourself or are you you're talking about everybody yeah i'm talking about uh, you know everyone as a whole okay. as, as we go about uh our life with each other whether or not we're interacting yeah Cool. All right. So that so that kind of leads to the second one. Religion has an overall positive influence on the world. You said strongly disagree. Yeah. So um, you haven't asked, I guess, specifically my views, but I fall more in the camp of anti-theism. Mm -hmm. um, uh, 
wherein I don't see not just that there's not evidence necessarily that there's a God, uh, which is what atheism is, mm-hmm. um, but that I think it's a good thing that there's so far no evidence and that there's likely not a God because the idea of uh, this all overseeing power somewhere out there in the, in the universe or the sky that can in the end, if you don't do what it says, punish you. Mm-hmm. is uh revolting honestly <laughs> so that 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 idea of a god if there's a, an organized religion around that idea of a god you believe that that is not an overall positive influence on the world it's a net negative correct yeah okay Did, have you read the book sapiens i have not okay who's that one My, by? Huh? i have a list who's that one by i have a list Yuval, Yuval harari Oh yes, that's on my list, but no, I have not read yeah. it. Yeah, um, it it really changed the way that I like. I I always teetered on the. I think religion's more of a net positive than a net negative, anyway, because of my background in folklore, seeing how, like how religion functions in the lives of people and in the lives of groups. I think in yeah, definitely there's this us versus them otherizing of people outside the group, and there can be really atrocious acts towards them. Um, yeah. But I think for the most part, and, and Sapiens really played an influential role in, in my view of this, re- religion as one of the, the fictions that human beings have created that bind us together like ants in a colony or bees in a colony where, where we cooperate with each other and progress, uh, our, our civilizations progressed because largely we had these fictions that bound people together and and so i started seeing religion as having a more positive role even though there's that negative stuff on the side but i but i'd be curious to know like after you've read sapiens if that has any impact on how you do it at all and i i i have uh, i don't know you know obviously what sapiens says aside from that brief kind of overview of how it changed your view there um but i'd say like it's i don't necessarily believe that the community that religion can create and how it helps uh, people in that group or even the society around it uh, grow um, is a bad thing. But when uh, it's strung along with, you know, people who don't believe what this group is saying, uh, when those people, even though they're receiving the help, they're not just doing it, to improve society necessarily or the community around them. They're also doing it with the hope of, of attaching their beliefs to the people they're helping and, sure. and making sure those people don't go to hell, uh, which I think is the damaging part. Cool. All right. Just, just a few, a few, there's, there's 20 of these questions. I'm not going through all of them, <laughs> um, but that there's some kind of God or Supreme intelligence in the universe. You strongly disagreed with that. Um, you strongly disagreed with miracles happen on a daily basis. And you mostly agreed that people who believe in miracles are setting themselves up for trouble. Anything Did I say you mostly say? agree with that? Yeah. Uh, I might have been more ambivalent there. Okay. Because <laughs> I, 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 it kind of goes back to the uh, the community thing I was just talking about because I also think uh, in, in regards to religion, um, some people have to cope the way they need to cope with the world and we should allow them to do that as long as they're not telling other people, this is how you should also cope. Yeah. Um, And so 
people believing in miracles, I think in most cases is harmless, especially if it's, if it is having a positive effect on them. But I, I, I would say that uh, the claim to the miracle and things around it should be better uh, questioned. Yeah. And, and and then you would have to really unpack this word miracle and what we mean by that. Yeah. And, you know, that yeah. people usually mean different things, even when they're using the same word. There, there's, there's just one more set of questions that I want to do here because I find this really interesting and then we'll get to the Abraham Hicks stuff. Okay. So there was a question. I am grateful for everything that happens in my life, even the really hard stuff. And you said you slightly disagreed with that. Yeah, I mean... And I think I, when I took some notes, the, when I listened through the Abraham Hicks video, I think we might get into this again. Um, when you're growing up in the church, you're taught that everything you go through is a blessing and you can mm -hmm. find a positive in it. Yeah. Um, and I kind of, I don't think that's necessarily true in my case. Like, okay. I, I've had a chronic pain condition for almost two decades and I'm not grateful for it at all. I wish I didn't have it. It hasn't yeah. really had a positive effect on me. It's done nothing but like take away things I used to love doing and, and hinder me in, in my work life and in my family life because of you know how it affects me. Mm -hmm. And uh, I've just learned how to, you know, like many other people deal with that part of my life and, mm -hmm. and function how I need to. But I don't think that means I need to be grateful for having that trial or, or how I'd rather say that hassle in this only life I think okay. I have. Yeah. And a kind of thing. Yeah. All so right. you don't have to be grateful for everything. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like, I like the way you're thinking it, the way you're approaching it. The, the next question, the world would be a better place if people expressed more gratitude and less outrage. You mostly agreed with that. Yeah. Um, I mean, I feel like people the whole past decade were saying we all just need to love each other more. Like quit yelling, quit screaming, understand mm -hmm. people more, let people live the way they want to live and they need to live, which is important. But society will never move forward without some sort of conflict. Yeah. And, so, and discussion. So I, I found it interesting that in the one you kind of slightly disagreed that you're grateful for everything. And the next one, you thought that gratitude would make the world a better place. Yeah. And, <laughs> and so like, of course, there's a reason why, of course, this is logical. This makes sense to you. These, these two thoughts that might seem contradictory coexist in you at the same time. Can, yeah. can you explain? Well, I think the, the first question was more, uh, what am I grateful for in my yeah. life yeah. versus how can the entire world be more grateful? Yeah. And so I am grateful for many things in my yeah. life and the, and the world around me. Um, and people could also, uh, you know, do that more. I can even do that more in, in a lot of areas. So yeah, what I sense. thought, what I thought that I heard you say in that first one was, you know, like, and I loved the example of chronic pain because I, I have a degenerative disc and I have had mm. since I was like 20 years old. And so it's, it's that chronic pain is, you know, you, you say I'm thankful for it. You know, it, it, you, when you're talking about the church teaches you to just be grateful for everything and kind of bury your head in the sand when you come out of it, you're like, but I want to be real. I don't want to, I don't want to yeah. be fake. I don't want to Pollyanna everything. Um, and so what I was, what I thought I was hearing you say is that I don't want to be fake. I want to be true and authentic to what I'm actually experiencing and feeling. And with this chronic pain, I I don't, I'm not grateful for it. I can't even imagine how I would be grateful for it. That would seem fake and inauthentic. Yeah, Am I reading exactly. that right on you? Yeah. Yeah. And I'd say it kind of goes in line, I think just with my personality, because I tend yeah. to 
wear most of my emotions on my sleeve. Like if yeah. someone says, how are you doing today? If I'm not having a good day, I'm most likely going to say, ah, yeah, it would have been better. And them. that's just yeah. kind of how I'm about my pain. You know, yeah. like, ah, well, you know, it's just part of me. <laughs> Interesting. All right. Well, thanks for taking time to do that. Now let's jump into this, uh, this video here. What I'm going to do, I'm going to pull it up. We'll stop it in key places there. I know there's, there's a, there's several places that I want to stop and have a discussion. If there's places where you want to stop and have a discussion, just let me know. Okay. A dear friend of mine asked if I could ask you this question. And that is, what realm do you come from? And he's listed a few of them here. None that he would know. <laughs> Should I? Or be satisfied with. <clears throat> he's had astral, archangel, angel, spirits of form. Whatever he considers wisdom. to be the best one. <laughs> he does have supreme being here. <laughs> we'll take that one. <laughs> I thought you might. I thought she might too. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, so what did you think of this? Uh, uh, like when you first started watching this, your first response to that little exchange there. So honestly, it's, it's got a few different facets. First of all, um, and I don't know the right, maybe the right way to say this, but the discussion of realms and being different realms and the assertion that this person wouldn't know the realm that uh, they're in. Mm -hmm. Um is a one one way I think of hiding where where the connection for Abraham Hicks is, really? um, so that so that no one else can access it. They can't get to this realm like Esther. Uh, she has, <laughs> you know, she there's a, there's other realms, but I'm not going to tell you where mine is. So you find your own kind of thing. Mm. Uh, that's kind of one of my first thoughts. And then um, this, this was the part I I'm not sure really how to say, but I've had friends around me who have been meth addicts and mm. they they talk about the same things in almost the same way very often um <laughs> i'm not sure the connection there or if we'll get into that more but it was one of my very first thoughts of like huh some of my friends who have been on meth have said these same things before like what like what have they said that they uh can access a realm where there's like for some of them it could be uh they're connecting with uh yeshua in this realm Ooh. um not not abraham or or other you know entities or forms i, I don't remember other names right now yeah. um and then, and there's if you go there's probably even related videos in that feed once you get past the esther hicks side of it with, with some uh, other people connecting to their realms and, mm -hmm. and some of them who talk about their, their drug uses to get there too, specifically meth and, and more intense things though. Yeah. So that was one of my first thoughts. Yeah. So I, I like Esther Hicks. I think she's funny. I think she's witty. I think she's like whip smart. Yeah. And my sense was that she was annoyed at the question mm. because like, realms <laughs> you know like these are stories this is like saying which hogwarts house are you you know yeah, so, okay. so somebody could like like which which hogwarts house uh are you and she would be like you know like it's not what's real isn't anything that has been imagined like like the, the things that we can imagine maybe are the closest that we can get to things that we just have no idea about so the, like the the imagination is the sandbox and it's the playground that we can play around and things but but once you build something in that sandbox and you go like oh it's this this is what it is and people get really like rigidly attached to this symbol you know like we were talking about the words and how how words change um, yeah so so the way that i interpret what she's saying is you know like 
realms. I mean, th these are these are people's fantasies, their imaginations. They're trying to understand and explore the the unknown and the unknowable, and they put these things to it. But like what she's talking about when she channels this Abraham energy, and she'll talk more about it later on, isn't anything that anybody has really imagined that you can put a label on and go, oh yeah, that's it. It's from this realm. I'm from Saturn, or you know, like whatever these, like some astral form or something. So, okay, I, see. I really, I really like the the response that she gives there, and and she's playful about it too because she doesn't want to be insulting to the people. But what I hear is, don't be stupid. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> I'm not from any. Okay, sure, I'll take that. I'll, t I'll. Okay, sure, supreme being, whatever. I'll take that kind of thing. Um, and and keeping in mind that. Like my, my interpretation of what Esther Hicks is doing is I think that it's a performance, um, you know, like a stand up comedian or like a, somebody doing a, a, a one act play. Um, and it's, but it's a performance around that's based very, very uh, solidly in this new age worldview of channeling. And so this is the performance that she's doing and there's certain like key messages that she repeats all the time. And it's those, those key messages and ideas that I find fascinating. I mean, the performance itself I find fascinating, too. But so that, that's what I think she's doing here. Okay. It's fair for him to ask those questions because what he's wanting to do is put us in the context of what he understands. Yeah. And man has been doing that with that which is non-physical from the beginning of your physicalness. In other words, you cannot see other than through the eyes that you have, through the perspective that you have. So you have to find some way of making sense of it. That's what Esther is doing all day, every day, as she allows us to flow through. We're not whispering words that she's repeating. We're offering our knowing, which she's receiving vibrationally, and then she's looking for the physical word equivalent. Uh, so I think this kind of ties to what you were saying, too, is where, like, you know, people need to imagine it the way they, they need to, um, but she's just kind of, like, brushing that off. Though I think one of the other connections uh, in here, um, and I guess one connection I, I kind of thought with Mormonism, is for Mormonism, there's not really, like, the hell of fire and brimstone or even uh, or even a set heaven mm -hmm. um i think there's a specifically for for hell i think joseph smith said you know uh man is his own condemner mm -hmm. um, and that kind of you know things from that statement and other ones evolved to like heaven and hell can be uh individual um and i kind of think that's what she's saying here too in a sense that like this this world and this non-physical and the things we're talking about, it's, it's going to be individualized. Hmm. Yeah. I, I didn't, I didn't hear that in what she said, but that's, I mean, I, I think that's a, a good reflection of how you feel about what she says, <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and I agree with it. Um, but, but I, I do think there's so much subjectivity in the way that we um, interpret, you know, cause everything that we're doing is like responding to something that's put before us. Exactly. And and it's kind of like the the blind men and the elephant analogy, you know, where you're feeling the trunk and you're like, oh, this thing is a snake, or you're feeling the the leg and or the side. This is a brick wall, you know. Like we we all yeah. have this sense of what it is that we're interacting with. I've been, and I've been thinking about this a lot lately, and I don't know really how to put this into words. But but especially with Abraham Hicks, she talks about vibrations so much, yeah. like being in vibrational alignment, and like what the hell is that? But I start thinking about like, what is the nature of reality around us? And kind of everything is vibrating, like at the yeah, atomic level, molecular, cellular level. And like the, the, the light that's around us, that we only see a, a very small 
fract fraction of the spectrum of visible light, you know, and then there's the rest that's probably like 90% that we just, our eyes didn't evolve to see, but now we've been able to create instruments that can detect it. And we know that it's out there. Yeah. Um, like that, that's kind of when, when she says we can only see through the eyes that we have, like we can really only experience what's in the world around us based on the way that our sensory organs evolved to sense what's around us. And the stuff that's outside of that, um, we we pick up on in our subconscious. Like we're we're still being bombarded by these light, you know, like these vibrations. We're just not recording it in our consciousness. Is, yeah. is this a, is this a conversation better for the next acid trip? Well, no. Well, I was going to say <laughs> it has been almost a year since it, but yeah. um, I mean, even it, it doesn't have to be acid. Um, it yeah. can even be meditation or. Sure. Uh, you know the devil's lettuce if you're a partaker um certain strains still have uh psychedelic effects i haven't heard people. the devil's lettuce as a euphem what is that <laughs> is that cannabis yes okay yes. the devil's lettuce uh, that's funny <laughs> i think it's, it's uh one of my preferred ways to to discuss it mm. uh though you know informal I, I do say cannabis versus things like weed and marijuana yeah um <laughs> But anyway, I, yeah, like the thing she talks about, like the vibrations, I, yeah. I do think. And when you're on these substances or, or you uh, are in, in a good place in your meditation, yeah. you can see these things. Like you see plants connecting to each other through mm -hmm. the air in ways you haven't noticed before. Um, and you, you feel things vibrate. You s like, and when I was on uh, acid the first time, um, you you can see sound waves sometimes like I had mm -hmm. music going and and you see the vibration of the sound propagate mm -hmm. throughout the room kind of thing yeah. so I think that kind of stuff it, yeah. you know is more or less real we probably don't know how to really access it or talk about it yeah um, so yeah, I'm not against like yeah that part of the conversation yeah and so, uh, so I and I think that the important part of like what she said here is that that people are always trying to put words and meaning to things that don't initially have words or meaning, you know, like we're, yeah. we're, we're, we're processing whatever reality is around us through our own individual. Do you ever play with Play-Doh and like you could put the Play-Doh in a thing and like squeeze it and it would like come out in different shapes, yeah, yeah. you know, <laughs> it's like, that's our, that's our brains, our minds, we get <laughs> this information and we filter it through and we go here, we've created some meaning. This is what that means. And well, a lot know, of times, that's uh yeah oh go ahead well that's uh, this honestly it's not a bad analogy you know the play-doh through a mold to to make a shape because yeah. uh our brain is malleable it has yeah. plasticity so yeah. like for example someone who goes blind um they can learn braille in two weeks because their brain can can rewire itself yeah. uh to the occipital lobe to you know compensate for that tactile need to, to sure. be able to read um and i think the same thing can be said of yeah, yeah, perceptions, like, um, I, it might just come down to uh, physiology, like yeah. the plasticity of your brain has has changed such that you can access or, or understand these things. And, and our, our brain also creates shortcuts to conserve energy. And so we, we develop these patterns of thought or patterns of attention, where you can have different people that are exposed to a common stimulus but everybody comes away with something a little bit differently because they've been conditioned in their history for one reason or another to 
when I hear this Pavlovian bell, I'm going to salivate. Well, this other person exactly. over here that every time they heard the bell, they got whipped with the belt, they, they flinch, you know? And so we all have these different conditioned responses in our neural pathways um, that, that do act as that filter for, for reality um, mm -hmm. to, in, in the meaning thing. And, and so she says that this is what Esther is doing when she's channeling the Abraham energy is that she's taking these impressions that she has somewhere in her mind and she's putting words to them. And, and my question is, how is that different at all from what we're always doing when we're trying to communicate things to each other? We, we get these thoughts or impressions and we try to put words around it. I, to me, this is this is her tipping the hat of going like, I'm I'm really not that different from what you guys are doing. I get these thoughts and feelings <laughs> and impressions, and I say them. It's it's see, and that's the tipping the hat kind of like again to the Mormonism thing. I think it, she's more tipping Joseph Smith hat that he put the seer stone in, um, <laughs> because yeah, we can talk about these things, have a great conversation about the vibrations and, and plasticity of the mind and, and thoughts and, and accessing these things and energies and vibrations. But what she's doing is she's asserting and she's saying that she's connected with one or, or, or a group, the, the we, the they, the proverbial they of Abraham. She's put a name to it. Yeah. Um, she doesn't which, mean, she doesn't mean the same Abraham that like is the Abraham of the Bible though, that she, she, and she's talked about how that's just a name that she used for this collective you know, energy. So I, I guess the problem I have with that is how she does refer to the collective from time to time as the intelligences, which yeah. the, which the Abraham and the intelligences, I don't know, maybe it's just a correlation I'm making in my mind, but it does. Because of your, because seated. your Mormon formed yeah. neural pathways, <laughs> this is how you're processing the information and it's coming out going like, uh, oh, Joseph Smith rip off. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah. yeah. Not necessarily ripoff, but uh, a new age. Yeah. She's looking for the physical word equivalent. And so there are many physical beings that want us to describe where we come from. And when she says us, like she, she's assuming this, this persona of Abraham. Like people want to know where we come from, what we are as, as this divine intelligence that's speaking through Esther Hicks. Because yeah. you are currently focused in a time-space reality. But that implies that we also, from our non-physical perspective, are focused in a time-space reality. And we are not. We are in a timeless, spaceless reality. All right. What do you think about that idea of a timeless, spaceless reality? Is that even possible that there is a timeless, spaceless reality out there that we don't even have access to? Um. Yes and no, I guess it, uh, it also might. <laughs> and it's just because the, the maybe the separation of space and time, regardless any continuum, um, and it might come down to words, but it, it's hard to imagine a place with no space, first of all. Um, but I can imagine... Because you called it a place. Yeah, yeah. It's like <laughs> place you, implies space. Yeah, you're talking... You're, Exactly. That's so it's hard to, to imagine colors without colors. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. um, but I, I can imagine a place where there's no, it, like if there is a space, yeah. I can imagine that there's no concept of time there. Yeah. Even in like the, the physics of it. Yeah. One, one of my favorite um, 
physicist is Brian Greene, and he's got this series that was produced by Nova called The Fabric of the Cosmos. And it is a four-part series. And he like one of them is about the first one's about space, the second one's about time, and there's one about quantum mechanics, and there's one about the multiverse. And like he's he's approaching it strictly from the perspective of a theoretical physicist. And it's just fascinating, you know, like I don't understand Einstein and the um, theory of relativity and the relationship between space and time. But uh, from what I do understand of it, he's saying that space time is itself a united thing that exists in the universe that that almost, I think that's why Brian Greene calls it the fabric of the cosmos because the space time thing is a actual real physical thing um, type. But, but in some sense, so if, if you're trying, like if, if, you're, if you're Esther Hicks and you're trying to communicate these ideas that are outside of the way that we're able to experience the world, it would make sense to me that, that she would say, I, I'm, I'm talking about intelligence that existed like before the Big Bang, kind of like you talked about before that suitcase was opened. What, yeah. what would what would reality have been like then if we're trying to imagine what that would like what what would be the intelligence then and and I should probably say at this point when i when I use the word intelligence when I think about intelligence, I think about it kind of in, in the same way that I think about DNA as in, in, within every cell of my body there's this nucleus that has this DNA that is the roadmap so any cell that I have could differentiate into any part of the body because it's got the blueprints right there. It has that intelligence on how to be any part of me that, that there is. And so I, I think that there must be some kind of DNA behind DNA that tells <laughs> like the, yeah. the, like what, like how does an atom become like, why does it bond the way that it does? You know, we can look at it and see these rules but that there, mm-hmm. but that there are certain things that say if X then Y or you know whatever at an energetic level, and that that's to me really um, interesting when I look at what Joseph Smith, or at least what I understand about what Joseph Smith said about intelligences, and what she's talking about here is like this this non physical intelligence that if if we were able to tap into it, and why wouldn't we? Because if it's if it's the energy that makes up every atom in our body, then Mm -hmm. we're always connected to it. And there's always that intelligence of like the DNA behind the DNA. There's always that that's part of it. And so every single person is always connected to it, whether we're able to listen to it or understand if it even is able to talk to us or, you know, communicate. And so, so this is a game of an imagination. If, if that, if that world existed, if there was this kind of intelligence energy that we're all made of, what would it say to us? Yeah. So, and I guess, I guess it is, it is interesting to discuss it more in this broad form uh, mm-hmm. because you briefly mentioned, uh, you know, Joseph Smith's version of it. And it, it is a little more uh, strict in the sense of essentially the way it's, you know, spelled out uh, is that, you know, we were talking about the synonyms for intelligence earlier yeah. in, in regards to Mormonism and how it's, you know, the light of truth and the light of Christ. Yeah. I um, mean, essentially when you get down to the bare bones of it and um, 
you know, why we exist in the world of Mormonism. It's that the light of Christ um, has always existed and been sustained in a specific form. Um, and uh, I kind of lost my, <laughs> my point here. The, yeah. Were, were you going to gonna tie the, it the to like the, the subatomic energy that also has always been in existence that okay. can't be created or destroyed? It just always is. Yeah. So, yeah. So for Mormonism, it's more strict of it's, it's always been there uh, yeah. because the universe necessitates it specifically for the uh, occurrence of the atonement yeah. and our salvation. So it does like, yeah, Abraham Hicks has a more broad perception of it right now, whereas yeah. uh, Mormonism, it's very, this is why it is. So if, if you, if you can imagine that Joseph Smith, I mean, Joseph Smith was before Hoffman synthesized LSD, but Joseph mm -hmm. Smith had mushrooms and other kinds of his, his, you know, his mother was a, a, um, a what do you call it? Herb, herbal herbalist lore. Or, yeah, yeah. Herbalist. Yeah. And they, they, they knew about this stuff and mm -hmm. it's, it's, there's, there's some kind of evidence that, you know, Joseph Smith might have been tripping balls every once in a while. Yeah. And, yeah. My, Sorry, go ahead. Oh no, no. I, well, I, I, the the only point I want to make it, this, this Plato analogy of the filter that information is being processed through. Joseph Smith in the eighteen twenties, eighteen thirties, having this very strict Protestant worldview, would then like have this cosmic information processed through his brain. Of course, it would have these kinds of, you know, e even though it's kind of expansive in some way. Now we're talking about degrees of glory instead of just a binary heaven and hell. It yeah. still isn't quite as satisfying to my mind because I'm way past that like 1820s Protestant worldview. I, you know, I, my understanding is has been informed by like Einstein and quantum mechanics and things like that. So I, I would probably process things differently if it's being filtered through my own Plato, uh, Plato <laughs> filter. <laughs> anyway, what did, what did you want to say, Christopher? Um, I, it was more it was more of a side note that you know, my my partner uh who was about a decade ahead of me probably more honestly on uh having left the church uh often said to me regarding the first vision i bet you anything he was just out there on yeah. mushrooms yeah. Um, yeah i think so so it's it's funny it's funny that you bring that up and i've heard many people say say that same thing since yeah we we did an episode on it with Bryce Blankenagel of Naked Mormonism probably two, maybe two and a half years ago. It was really interesting. I think we called it Joseph Smith Space Cowboy. <laughs> <laughs> so we could conjure something, we could make something up for the purpose of making him feel better, but there is no point in it because it causes the continuation of the distortion of trying to get energy to be from some place, you see. Yeah. It is only human that tries to put the hierarchy on things. So... And you agree with that, right? That that humans try to put a hierarchy on things and they try to like shove things into the boxes of meaning and boxes of understanding. And if it doesn't fit this box, then we're uncomfortable. But the box is a fabrication in every case. Yeah, I guess. And this is probably just being nitpicky on the word. I think uh, I have a problem with her saying that, uh, you know, man is the only one that's creating a hierarchy when it when we're talking about, you know, things like sapience and stuff and, and viewing the world a little differently, like there are social dominance hierarchy structures, you know, among like wolves and baboons and things like that. So yeah. well, I didn't think she said only. 
Did, oh, maybe, okay. So maybe I thought it. Okay. Maybe she did. Let's go back. Let's see if I'm wrong. If I'm wrong. I think she said it's so, only men. Maybe it is only human that oh, yeah. tries to put the human. hierarchy okay, so on things. Yeah. yeah. And I guess specifically human. I mean, we could say if we go back, you know, two hundred fifty thousand years when there uh, were other humanoids around us, like we did put a hierarchy on that too, and, and move ourselves forward. But we're yeah. not the only ones that have done that. You know, wolves and monkeys have done the same. So, so if instead of saying it's only human where it excludes other forms of life that have uh, dominant hierarchies. If she said, it is very human to try to put a hierarchy on things. No. <laughs> it, is, it is very human. When, when, well, she, when she is imagining herself talking from a, a perspective of, she's basically okay, yeah. saying, I am representing the energy that makes up everything that ever is, was, or ever will be. And from this perspective of looking at the world, that we're just, we're, we're playing in our imaginary sandbox right now. From this perspective, um, we don't put hierarchies on things, but humans put hierarchy on things. I mean, yeah, I, I, get, I get the perspective on that. Yeah, yeah, and we're just playing. So, yeah. <laughs> hmm, tell your friend that Abraham explained who they are in this way. We are the vibrational essence that equals the culmination of all that has been lived, both physically and non-physically. So that's a lot of words of saying everything. Yep. <laughs> we are an energy that is expanding consciously and constantly because of the willingness of physical experience and its contribution to the never-ending want or desire. Okay, now that might just seem like a bunch of gobbledygook words to you. I don't know, Christopher, but I think that this is a fascinating idea. I, I want to hear it because I, I probably have some notes on it somewhere I wrote at one point, but yeah, uh -huh. right now, and I, try, I tried to nitpick this section a little, but it is hard because it is just a lot of i think it's pedantic i guess to so that i don't you know speak endlessly on how it's nonsense i'll just say it's pedantic so i'm not pedantic as well <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to pedantically be pedantic yeah yeah um <clears throat> well i i don't mind being pedantic i kind of have made a podcast around it so um <laughs> i was probably I, pedantic earlier in this episode, you know? <laughs> what, what i like what yeah right it, it always is what, when when you're talking about expanding consciousness and like vibrational app and all this stuff. I, I think about, you know, the experience that you talked about before being on LSD and is that a consciousness expanding uh, experience? Well, I, I guess it really depends on what you mean by consciousness. It means by what, depends on what you mean by expanding. Mm -hmm. when, when you can at least imagine that you're seeing sound waves and vibrations in the air, and this is a different experience, you're, you're, aware of or you're perceiving even your own reaction to things differently than before so i i think if it expands your awareness that's that's the same way thing as saying it expands your consciousness and so it's it's something new it's something unique that you haven't been aware of before you haven't experienced before so anything like that could be considered um a uh expanding of consciousness so if 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 you if you um imagine that she's talking from the point of view of quantum energy 
that is coming together to do this little whirlwind dance called Christopher or called Glenn or, you know, <laughs> like, or, or this desk that I'm sitting at or like any expression of this energy, especially when we're talking about human beings is a unique expression. It's something that this energy has never, ever done before in the history of everything. It's never had the same biological DNA. It's never had the same beliefs and cultures and experience, the same interactions with people, the same like little minute pedantic thoughts that go through your head. You know, like th these kinds of things are unique to what you're doing in your life. And so from the perspective of um, a source energy, this like every single living thing is expanding its own consciousness and awareness of what could be or what is or whatever was because this thing has never been before in exactly this way and it'll only be once. And so from that point of view, there's this tremendous value to every single person or every, every single living thing as this unique fingerprint on the fabric of the cosmos. How's that? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I'd agree with that. We, I mean, we talked about the the individualization of, uh, I guess I'd say like the perception of of the world around us uh, yeah. earlier, and I think that ties in. Pretty yeah, well even to that's what, part what of that. You were just unique. Saying. Yeah, even that's part of it, and then the way that we express ourselves and and all of that. So, yeah. so what she's saying mm -hmm. is, I'm the energy that makes up everything, including you, or I'm speaking from the perspective of that energy that makes up everything, including you. Yeah, see, and that's where I have a big problem because it's like it goes back to the old. Um, I think it was Christopher Hitchens who's who quoted the uh, the Rubaiyat of Omar Khayyam uh, often, uh, where it, it, you know it basically says, uh, "Who are you to say that you know you're you are able to connect to this and no one else can?" It's kind of the same idea. But she's not saying. But she's not saying that no one else can. Well, I mean, if we go back earlier, I mean. I don't know, because it's not a realm that this woman's friend can connect to. Yeah, but again, remember, Abraham Hicks isn't saying, I'm coming from a different realm. She's responding to this question that somebody's like, what realm do you come from? And she's like, nothing, nothing that you would know, nothing that you would understand. This is, you know, like the, even asking me the question about realms is a, a very like man-made construct based on this idea of space, time, and things that, you know, like don't really apply to source energy that, is what constructs the fabric of all of this stuff. Okay, yeah. So I mean, it's the I just take out the word realm then, and I say yeah. then who is who is Esther Hicks to say yeah. that she can connect to wherever this non-physical space is? Yeah, yeah. Who and is why she? should anyone listen to her? Yeah, yeah. Who is she, and why should anybody listen to her? We are the expanded version of who each of you are. And we are the pure essence of that expanded version. We hold not any of the concerns that you hold, but we have benefited from the concerns that you have lived. We are not ah, stumped ooh, like by that. your... That kind of ties it back to Mormonism for me, uh, because the intelligence have to be concerned uh, with you know, accepting and loving Christ um, and fulfilling the atonement so that their their existence in Mormonism is sustained because without the atonement, um, intelligence essentially ceases to be. Um, really? Yeah, yeah, that's... That scripture says that without the atonement, intelligence ceases well, to be? Well, 
That's the, when you, it was John A. Woodso, uh, an old general authority who said, uh, and he said this in regards to uh, connecting the stories of the, uh, the atonement and crucifixion is you take all the sources that you have on the matter and, and put it all together so that you can get the best story. When you put the story of intelligences from 1829 to 1844 together, yes, it does. Hmm. Yeah, he's wrong. <laughs> his structure in the sandbox is di way different than my structure in the sandbox as we're trying to create yeah. meaning here yeah no i yep. like I, I, I again i i i like this idea of where we are trying we're using our imagination to try to pretend what would source energy say if it could say something to us what what would it say and for it to say the things that you guys are worried about we're not worried about because we're indestructible yeah. we 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 are everything that exists, you know. Like you, you guys might die and think, "Oh, it's over," but we just, you know, regenerate into something new, and we do it all the time. It's happening uh, concurrently, um, um, and yeah. Well, I was gonna say, I guess the the slight problem I have with that um, is oh, I kind of lost it. Um, can you maybe repeat what you if if you remember what you just said? Kind of, there try. was some specific. The, the, so, so like I, I'm using this word source energy as yeah. as like a synonym for uh, you know subatomic energy or quantum energy or that stuff that makes up everything that exists. Ah, I, okay, so that kind of sparked the thought. Um, you you kind of said that you know she's saying or 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 they are saying that. Um, I guess that's it. Is that 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 they are saying? I think is what I have a problem with because. Um, this source energy or, or lack thereof. Mm -hmm. La I mean, language is a construct of of man and and animals. Animals have their own types of language, but sure. how is it that this uh, energy she's tapping into can communicate with us in this language she's understanding? And I think it kind of ties in with you know how people feel and interpret the Holy Ghost. Yeah. Uh, but then again, are you interpreting the Holy Ghost or just feelings uh, that are arising in yeah. your consciousness? Um, so yeah, yeah, I think it's because plants have consciousness, but they don't use words. Right. Um, and, and, and maybe I she's be... just manifesting it from like, you know, her, like that's how she perceives it. Maybe she receives something and puts it in her own words. But I yeah. think the, the way she described it wasn't correct. It could just be the, the grammar. Yeah. And I, and I want to be careful um, so, so that you understand that what I'm saying is just the way that I interpret what she's saying. So I don't, I don't really know if my interpretation of it is what she means by it or oh, like okay, where she's okay. coming from or not. But, but the reason that I like engaging in this is because I, I like to try to imagine what would source energy say, if it could say, what, what is that realm? If we're going to use that word that it exists in, <laughs> what, what are the, what are the, 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 the laws, the rules, how is it different from this experience? You know, like that's just a fun thought experiment. And, and, and so, and I do that with the Brian green, uh, uh, theoretical, physics physics stuff i do it with a lot of different things um and then kind of combine them together it's fun yeah just because it's fun so i'm exposing my own plato filter that's all that and like as i'm pushing things out i'm going see there's this i put this little hole here i put this little design here um but yeah. it's just it's just uh the way that i interpret this stuff and why i like it would you, would you agree maybe uh, though that it could be more beneficial because uh, I think maybe just like the perception of it is off because maybe why are why is Esther 
Abraham, why are we, anyone who's attempting this method, trying to connect to some uh, energy off in somewhere um, or, or lack of somewhere um, when we don't even understand uh, our consciousness as it arises here and now? Like, why aren't we focusing on that? How, how we're perceiving things and how things arise in us and, and come within us here and now yeah. versus how to access it from some place we don't even know. <laughs> well, they're, but they're, they're connected in the sense of a place that we don't even know because we don't even know where consciousness arises. You know, like to, to me, the question of consciousness is very connected to this idea of eternal energy that create, you know, like I, I don't, I don't picture what she's saying as being some remote um, place that's really far away. I see it as being the foundation of every, you know, every atom in our body. You know, we're, we're always, we, we are the stuff that she's talking about, but so, we're the, I mean, we're like the okay. ego that developed like the mind, you know, like the whole, I don't know, mind body duality question thing. Yeah. Okay. We are an energy that is expanding consciously and constantly because of the willingness of physical experience and its contribution to the never ending want or desire. We are the expanded version of who each of you are. And we are the pure essence of that expanded version. We hold not any of the concerns that you hold, but we have benefited from the concerns that you have lived. We are not stumped by your questions, but we ride on the stream of your answers. We are not bothered by your problems because your problems have inspired the expansion or solution. We are as broad or as deep as the question that you ask because law of attraction will not match you up with the part of us that is different than the part of you. We can only be as wise as your wisdom, as loving as your love, and as smart as your brilliance we cannot be more than you allow us to be so when you find something in us that you deem worthy or wonderful or beneficial you must understand that it is a pure reflection of who you are because you could not get it from us if you were not it also we have enjoyed this interaction immensely. She, Esther says essentially, uh, which I think is kind of like a backhanded, uh, not, it's not a compliment, but that's like the only phrase I know, like a backhanded turn of phrase um, that I think is a little manipulative is uh, if I remember right, she says something about we are only uh, what you allow us to be. So like mm. if people aren't, aren't accessing this or, or getting what they want out of it, it's it's their fault. It's, yeah. you know, they need to do something a little bit better or different, which I think kind of ties back to the beginning where I was saying how I think kind of these things can be dangerous because the church says the same thing. If you're not doing what we say, or you're not getting the personal revelation that you need when you go to the temple or read your scriptures, then you're probably going about it wrong or you're unworthy and you need to fix something before you're allowed to access it. Yeah. And I, I, I get the same impression here. How, how do you feel about the, the idea of confirmation bias? Um, everyone is susceptible to it. <laughs> so, I, I mean, you, you, me, 
Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Esther. Yeah. So, so to me, that's what she's saying that, you know, like what, what, what confirmation bias does is it says, I'm coming into this experience with certain biases and I'm like, what, what I pay attention to and the way that I interpret information is going to be determined by those biases. I'm going to, I just naturally focus on the things that support my convictions and I ignore the things that don't. Um, yeah. and, and so I, I have a really um, incomplete perception that's based on my biases. And that to me is what she's saying there. It, 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 this only means what you allow it to mean by the biases that you have coming into it. Now, I, I understand what you're saying if you're using that as a way of victim blaming and trying to manipulate people and control people and gaslight them. Um, you know, that, that's shitty. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's not a cool thing. But I, but I don't think it's, it's um, untrue to say that um, when people are exposed to a common thing, a common stimulus, everybody takes something away differently. And it's based on where they are, what, what they're able to perceive, what they're willing to perceive, where their biases are. There is this subjective experience in interpreting the real world that, that I, I think one of the most dangerous ideas and one of the things that really um, transformed Mormonism, not for the, the, the best, is this idea that if everything's coming from a common source, then the answer that you get is going to be the same thing for every single person. That, that yeah. ignores the fact that it's being filtered through this little Play-Doh filter thing that we talked about before. Yeah, you know, exactly. Like the the Play-Doh, the, the material is all going to be the same, but the shape and the form is, is going to be different. And, you know, that it's, it, it's based on where we where we are, where we sit. And it's really complex. Um, so anyway, yeah. thanks for, thanks for doing this, Christopher. I, I'd love Absolutely. to talk with you again and, and um, hear more about your book and other chapters. If there's other things that you want to do as a lot of fun. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, thanks for having me. It's been great. It was it was nice to meet you. Um, I've I've gone beyond the Abraham Hicks uh, episodes in your podcast now a bit, yeah. so uh, <laughs> I'm going to keep going. I, I've I've enjoyed it. Uh, I didn't Good. know you guys were around for so many years, so you know it's uh, yeah. again. Thank you. Yeah. All and right. I, I'd love to come back discuss this stuff. Some cool. More. Yeah, we'll stay in touch. All right. All right. Thanks, Christopher. Talk to you later. Wake up, everyone. How can you sleep at a time like Unless the dreamer is the real you. Hi, this is Emily from Tacoma, Washington, and I like to listen to Infants on Thrones while preparing lectures on human sexuality or otherwise enjoying the perks of the PhD degree my church leaders told me I should never aspire to. You can comment on this episode on the website, infantsonthrones.com, and if you really like what you hear, give the form a five-star rating and write a short review on iTunes. I did. Anyone for the closing prayer? Yes, I'll make it all mine. And what may be troubling you is that church is like almost every other church. It wants you to close the door on everything else. It wants to say to you, everything that you're looking for is here. And the reason that that flies in the face of the eternal expanding universe of which you are intuitively a part of is because you know that something that has been created cannot stand still. In other words, everything has to continue to expand. And so you, in your life experience, are becoming more than your understanding of what 
that particular church is allowing you to become. And so you're feeling sort of bound by it. And then you feel guilty as you try to move beyond it. And we say the true essence of that church and every other would say to you that you are an eternal being, would say to you that the source that you are reaching for, you have access to. So don't say no to it. Just say yes to the aspects of life that are calling you. And you will discover that the connection to source that you at one time looked for there can be in many different places, that it doesn't reside within a religion, it doesn't reside within the walls of a building, it resides in the universal forces and it is a vibration that you tune into and you have access to it, you see. And then don't go running around as most in most churches do and proclaim that you found something so much better, just live your alignment. And when you live your alignment, you find value everywhere, everywhere you live. Celebrate the whole world I'm gonna make it mine Oh yes I'm following your joy I'm gonna make it mine Because I, I am open I'm gonna make it mine That's why I will show it I'm gonna make it all my Head over to the website infantsonthrones.com and fill out the new belief survey today.